Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast that gives women in science, technology, engineering and maths, or STEM, an opportunity to share honestly and openly about what it's really like working in these typical male-dominated subjects. Each week, one woman shares her stories and experiences. She could be a public figure, the girl next door, or someone from a far-off land. The point is she'll be deliberately kept anonymous to ensure that we're not distracted by the details of her achievements, her labels, or what she looks like. I'm Dr. Shinise Omara, also a woman in STEM. I studied mechanical engineering and ended up as a television broadcaster. I've worked on and reported on some cutting-edge technology and innovation, and over the years, I've met some incredible women from a diverse range of STEM fields. And you know what? I've been more amazed about what I've learned from these women when the cameras have been turned off and they're just being themselves. These women have amazingly impressive CVs, but most importantly, they're human, just like the rest of us. And it's that off-air honesty that I'd like to share with you through silence. This week, my guest is in the field of veterinary science. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Thank you so much for um, agreeing to talk to me. Why did you feel that it was something that you wanted to be involved in? Um, Come from a family of three women, all in STEM. And so it's something that is close to my heart. Take yourself back to when you were really young. Did you know that you wanted to go into science from an early age? The desire to go into veterinary... As a kid, I had no awareness that that was linked to science. Um, for me, as a, as a child wanting to be a vet, it was more just about me loving animals. It was all just about the animals. And only as I got older and actually started to pursue an interest in studying veterinary science did it become apparent that, wow, you need to actually be good at chemistry and biology. If I'd had more of an awareness of the fact that it was linked to science as a child, maybe that would have influenced how I then went on to um, get into the field. And maybe I would have gotten there sooner. It's so interesting because when I talk to women about getting into science, they often talk about just this really authentic, sincere interest in something which happens to be sciencey. Was that your journey then? Yeah, pursuing what I was good at, uh, which wasn't actually directly linked to studying veterinary medicine, and finding my way back onto the path I had way back as a kid when I said I love animals I want to be a vet and realizing okay how can I take what I've done and um, use that to help me to get back into veterinary medicine and so I ended up studying mathematics first mathematics and business which I see now was not wasteful in any way because even though it it didn't directly get me into vet school. It gave me a wealth of experience about what sort of skills I would need to then go on to study veterinary medicine. And now that I've graduated and I've gone uh, into employment, the maths degree and, and the business side in particular has really given me a different spin on the job that I do today. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you were are naturally gifted at mathematics. I mean, it was your first choice when you were studying your bachelor's. Um, So it doesn't sound like you were someone that questioned your ability. But what seems to be happening statistically, particularly in the UK, is that girls around the age of 10 tend to choose the arts over the sciences because of their lack of belief in their abilities in STEM. Is that something you ever questioned yourself? If you're in a situation where you have this talent, 
mental math comes easily to you but you're not in an environment where you're either motivated or you help develop that skill then it could be a real waste I mean gosh yeah there could be kids out there that could have gone on to be mathematical geniuses and it just didn't get spotted there was a real danger of that when I was younger because maths was never really the plan in the end I studied mathematics because you know when I looked at my grades that stood out amongst all the others um and I was given pretty good advice at the time that if you're going to go on to study a subject for three years you should choose something that you enjoy because or certainly that you um, are good at because you're going to need that motivation to do independent learning and to read around a subject and to put in the time I think at the age of 10 I was in a school that had a good maths department but I also had extra tuition and a teacher who I was inspired by and so maybe if it hadn't been for that teacher I don't know would I have loved maths as much as I did would I have gone on to do so much extra learning at that age but of course at the root of all of that there has to be some kind of genuine interest and genuine understanding of that subject and maths seemed to come more easily to me I found it logical it just seemed to make more sense than any of the other subjects even if I enjoyed the arts personality wise I quite liked the the sense of knowing where you are with maths and sort of it just being a little bit more black and white than some of the other subjects and that suited me. There's a real perception that girls are not good at maths? When I studied, uh, there were, it wasn't quite half and half, but there were a good fair number of girls on that course and um, there seemed to be no divide in how good the girls were versus the guys. What was apparent was maybe how we approach the subjects. And we always used to joke that, you know, the guys could sit in that lecture and listen to the whole hour and understand theories immediately and go off and apply it. Whereas the girls would have to go away and look at that lecture all over again in their own time and maybe from a different angle and then you know after really taking it to shreds and analyzing it then maybe you get that light bulb moment and that's a massive sweeping statement that was just my experience the stigma that girls aren't as good at math I'd like to think that no one uh, no one would say that I certainly don't believe that's true the difference could very well be how much support you get at that age. So let's just say if you're in a in a school where they really can see potential and they want to take that child, boy or girl, and nurture that potential and really help you to reach your full potential, then there shouldn't be anything standing in your way. In a nutshell, what was your zigzag path? Uh, so for A-level, I did mathematics, English literature, biology, and an AS in chemistry. Then I was actually signed up to study law at university. The reason I chose law was because I wasn't really sure that I would have the best grades to get to vet school. And at that point, came to a bit of a dilemma and was thinking, gosh, you know, you need to have top-notch grades to get into vet school. And I was struggling a little bit with biology and chemistry. My strengths were more, you know, the maths. And I was worried I wouldn't get in. And so, you know, having sought advice from career advisors and so on, they said, okay, just take a bit more time. Apply for something that's really broad and, and won't pigeonhole you. Law seemed, you know, I was thinking, okay, well, I love to read, I'm academic, you know, let's go for this. My heart wasn't really in it. And I think looking back, I needed to have spent more time with my options. But it all worked out because based on my grades, somehow my my applications got to a university in London to their maths department. And they sort of said, we'd love to have you on their maths and business management course. And that hadn't even been the plan. But I, I took it. 
So I went on to do um, mathematics and business for three years. But on my second year, you know, you're studying amongst a lot of people who want to go off and be investment bankers, management consultants. And I was starting to feel like I wasn't really in uh, in this nest. I was starting to feel like, oh, I'm doing great in the degree. But where is this going to take me? Why does it not feel right to say I'm going to go off and be an investment banker? And, you know, that didn't seem to ring true when I said it. And I still had that niggling um, voice in my mind that, look, you know, your plan was always veterinary. Are you going to go back to that? You know, or are you abandoning? This is the time to decide. And I'm very lucky I had some great advice from a friend who did a job that he was great at and absolutely loved. And he said, if there's any advice I can give you, it's, it's never too late to make sure you can do a career that you really love because you're going to spend the next 30, 40 years doing this. You've got to get it right. So that's when I started to do some research and look into what it would take for me to finish my degree and finish it well and go on to do veterinary medicine and it was a little bit disheartening because I realized you know, it would be a lot of work involved but at that point I decided I'm going to ace this degree and then I'm going to apply for veterinary. So I did work hard to finish the bachelor's and then had to go back to finish my chemistry A-level and actually I had to redo it at that point. It had been over five years so you know these things have expiry dates so um, I just went back and did my chemistry from scratch and I needed to get an A in chemistry to uh, get into vet school. So um, having got the grades that I needed I I then went to the Royal Veterinary College and, and then I'm here today. Wow, that is so inspiring. It's inspiring because so much of it was just following gut instinct and following, not necessarily like having all the answers, but kind of just being open to where you were going to be directed. I mean, do you have any regrets that you did the maths degree? None, absolutely none. I feel very proud to have that varied palette. The maths will always be part of me. I still love maths. If I have any opportunity to teach it or use it I of course have to use math all the time in the job I do I will always have ties with mathematics so no regrets at all and it was also incredible three years and I met fantastic people who are still in my life today when it came to doing that bachelor's I chose something that I enjoyed I think that helped to to make sure that it didn't turn into anything I regretted. I get a sense that you really enjoyed everything you were studying, whether it was the <clears> maths <throat> or the veterinary. But I also get a sense that it wasn't always easy. Loving something and finding it hard can coexist. It's the finding it difficult that makes it, in the end, quite rewarding. Anything you have to really work hard for, when you do finally get there, it's so much more of a wonderful feeling that you've overcome difficulty or you you know bettered yourself in some way you've surprised yourself in some way that gosh you thought you couldn't do it there's someone that once said to me it's quite often that we're undermining ourselves and you know we think we can't do something when actually we can when we find it difficult is I remind myself of that I say not that this is impossible I'm just telling myself that I can't do this I just have to have some belief that I can pull through this and there were many moments like that yes in the first degree but a lot of them in the veterinary science degree I think any vet student will tell you there are a lot of ups and downs and when you get to the job as well it's a real roller coaster which is why I think because a lot of people in this industry go into it because of a, of a passion that's what really keeps you there so when you know you're having a moment where things are just really challenging emotionally physically whatever it might be those are the days where you remind yourself oh, okay why am I doing this those moments where you you're not able to do that for yourself it's massively helpful when you've got friends or family a partner or whoever it might 
might be who can just pick you up a little bit as well. We all need that sometimes. Having talked to like a few women who are, you know, studying, often it's so hard that they do question, you know, what am I doing? Would you say that you're one of these people that kind of is just a glutton for punishment? Or do you think <laughs> it's part of the journey? It's funny you should say that because, gosh, there are moments of those, of course. Yeah, exactly how you just said it. You go, why am I doing this? I've had, you know, hairy moments where I go, okay, you know, I'm just going to go and be a lifeguard and just sit by a pool and I'm not doing this job anymore. Um, and it's at those moments you wait, you wobble and then you get through whatever it is and then you go, oh God, I love this job really. Um, and you have to laugh at yourself at those moments. I haven't had a point where I've totally wanted to throw in the towel, but I've had times where I've had too many moments of feeling a little bit down about something and saying, okay, this is too hard. I can't do this. You have to have some self-preservation. If you feel yourself going through that, you have to walk away from something, but it's time to just step back and say, okay, you know, my frame of mind is really important and I have to take care of myself. And if I feel that I'm challenging myself too much or it's I'm taking on too much, you just take a breather. I personally believe that's very normal. We're all human. We have a threshold. You know, we can't be at the max all the time, you know, constantly, constantly, constantly pushing yourself. What if you don't have that gut feeling of knowing what you want to do with your career? If you're going through tough times and you don't have um, their clear paths with anything in life like we don't know we have no guarantees of where we're going to end up i think just reminding yourself that it will work itself out i mean we like to think we're in control of everything i didn't know if i was going to graduate i didn't know if i was going to get into vet school at that time and there were so many unknowns i had to have a plan for if it didn't work out because i think that that was just good sense and also just took some of the pressure off to say, okay, look, I'm going to give myself this opportunity, but if this doesn't work out, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. What was your plan B? I wanted to really show when I was applying for vet school, look, I have a first in a maths and business degree. I could go off and earn squillions of pounds doing investment banking, but I am turning my back on walking into a job like that with this result because I really want to be here doing the veterinary. So for me, it was almost like another sign of proof because like I said, there was some skepticism from some universities uh, saw what I did so unrelated to veterinary that it was hard to take my application serious and what I eventually found actually when I was doing a job to sort of earn money for my vet course found a, a job doing sort of statistical analysis for a trading team in an investment bank and realized oh wow like using this math in banking investment banking setup but just doing the statistics uh, when I was there and they said okay if your veterinary course doesn't work out um we'll give you a job here and i was thrilled because actually i loved it <laughs> i thought yeah if, if i don't get a place at vet school I'll do that it would have been a great plan b it would have been a completely different life what was it like being female in that environment were you even conscious of it when i was studying veterinary medicine or just neither degree well what was there a difference normal guys in um in the first degree remember it wasn't just maths it was business so it's interesting when you study veterinary now versus maybe 10 15 years ago maybe even more there's been a real shift with veterinary you know there used to be a lot more males doing veterinary um, and now it's predominantly female so it's a different group of people it's a vocational job it's very practical you're getting hands dirty you're in the lab you're in the field you're doing quite hardy things um whereas versus the lovely cozy setup of being you know in your nice warm lecture theater when you're studying math with someone with chalk on the board and you're listening there for an hour and writing out equations it was completely different setup i was quite comfortable in either scenario but i would say 
as a woman in that setup, to talk about the veterinary, I mean, there were times when um, I felt 100% comfortable as a female, um, wasn't even aware, you know, the fact that there's any sort of gender divide versus going and putting myself on pig farm in the middle of nowhere in northern England and being very aware of being female and not having big muscles and able to you know lift pigs the way maybe some of the other burly farmer vet students can and realizing yeah this is this sucks a little bit because um now I have to work thrice as hard to be taken seriously but I saw that as the challenge and was like right I'm going to lift this pig better than any vet student ever has and I'm gonna work doubly as hard and that earned you that earned respect was even more um satisfying did it ever demotivate you no I think now that I'm in the job sometimes there are aspects where being it's not just being a woman it's being a woman with other responsibilities can sometimes demotivate me a little bit because I'm wanting to achieve many things as a working woman working mother I do sometimes compare myself to a guy and say okay what are the expectations for me as a woman versus as a guy and it there is a little bit of a difference there what are those differences i'm making a big swooping statement here but let's just take the pay debate maybe in this day and age this is a bit old-fashioned to say but as a man in this industry maybe i'm just comparing to my situation but maybe there is a little bit more pressure to earn and take on more responsibility to earn for the family the guys that i do see as vets they seem to be very much having to take on a lot more just to financially make it work yeah i'm talking about those with families and and so on you know i've not seen let's say many part-time male vets Whereas as a woman, we might have to be at home with our kids. And this is a job that doesn't have very sociable hours. So quite often, you know, we are thinking about doing part time or, you know, trying to balance a lot of those things. But it's such an interesting question. You don't feel the pressure of having to earn to support a family because you are in a relationship with someone that can um, Mm. financially contribute. Mm. But I wonder how differently you would choose if you were just fully financially supporting yourself if I was in a um, situation where I was supporting a family myself I'm not so sure I'd choose this particular type of job I would maybe have to seek something else within the industry because unfortunately you have to put in a lot of hours and I don't think anyone not many people do this job for the pay there are ways I'm sure to make more money in general practice or you know when you specialize you do it for the pure love of it and we're lucky enough to get paid for it But, um, you know, if I was having to support a family on my own, there would probably be more economical ways of doing that within this industry. I'd have to be a bit clever about it. You know, so that would actually potentially really change the type of job I do. That just blows my mind because would it be safe to say that if you had to completely financially support yourself and possibly a family you would be doing a different job which would not match your dream job definitely have to make some compromises for sure that would be the reality because if I'm in a position now where I can be a little bit selfish and say you know what I love doing this job whilst I can have that opportunity to do it and not worry about um the paste up as much I, I'm going to grab the opportunity because it may very well be who knows in the future the the coin has flipped the other way and then it's on my head to um, earn the bucks so if that were the case then yeah I would have to make some sacrifices which 
I would be very willing to do that comes I think with the responsibility of trying to balance many things and you know make sure that you're getting your priorities straight you seem to be a woman that has it all you've got a job that you love but you also have a family um, you know a husband and a child are you just lucky but I have made sacrifices to be able to balance those things because if I let's just say you know before I had a child I made that choice do I want to be the best vets in the world in order for me to have achieved that I think at that point I would have said well look actually if I really want to do that I might hold off from doing the family thing in fact I might not do the family thing so I would have made some sacrifices and for me having a family was important I was willing to make sacrifices with my career in order to have that so I wasn't prepared to give up a career as long as those sacrifices that you're making you're happy with those Mm. and it doesn't compromise your well, your happiness, that's what it comes down to. I've worked with people who say, you know what, I am not happy um, compromising anything on my career. I worked this hard to get here. If kids comes later, fine, but like this is my focus. And so that that's just about where you put your priorities, isn't it? But having it all is it's really, uh, it's a really dangerous phrase, isn't it? Because I don't think anyone will ever have it all. Having it all is kind of, I see that as having 100% of everything. And realistically, I don't don't think that's possible because and we've all tried to be there haven't we? we've tried to take on lots of things and sometimes there's a danger then you become almost like a jack of all trades but you don't know any one thing very well or you don't do any one particular thing brilliantly so I think by default we almost have to pull back on each of those things just a little bit in order to take on more and more things but that's that's my take on it but maybe there are people out there who'll say you know what no I just push myself harder personally I'm not able to sustain that kind of thing I'd rather be a good mum and only have one kid and be a good vet and only you know work 28 hours a week as opposed to 40 but feel that I'm doing a good job at both of those things maybe the key to having it all in quotes is to be able to strike healthy balance between all of the different aspects I mean coming from an engineering perspective I was so focused on being something in engineering that I didn't once consider parenthood because if I had, it would have required such a kind of maternal, soft, Mm -hmm. nurturing side of me, which I honestly had to leave by the wayside in order to get by in engineering. But maybe that's my all or nothing mentality. But it's interesting because I had a real fear when I decided to try for a family that I might lose my momentum a little bit or I might lose my um, passion for the job. Because essentially what my job is, I'm there for people when they are needing help with their pets and so and and when I'm there I'm I'm 100% there and so of course when you're a mother I was worrying that that would take me away from that responsibility a little bit so when I did become a mother I realized I bet better get quite good at compartmentalizing my life and that's how I dealt with it so you know when I'm at work I really do just focus on that and I'm still trying to achieve this but when I leave work I'm really trying very hard to to, to put that to bed and when I'm at home I'm I'm you know a mum again that's an ongoing struggle I love what I do so when I come home I'm still thinking about it and still want to talk about it and you know the way I sort of handle it is that I just try and time manage better I think whatever decision it is you make you have to be happy with it but being a woman in 
STEM. I'm hoping that we are helping women to do both and to give them the support to do both. You know, we should be able to do both. It seems as though you are mindful of potential changes in your perspectives as a result of becoming a mum. Do you think those potential changes or actual changes are something that men have to consider? Once you become a parent, whether you're the father or the mother, you know, you want to do a good job. Any parent is going to be thinking, you know, how is my job impacting my kids and um, whether you're the mum or the dad you're trying to be a good role model and it's what sort of message you want to give your children so maybe it's a father you know you're showing I can provide I'm responsible I'm you know working hard but I think there's maybe less pressure on the dad to say yeah you know I'm working but my kids want me at home so you know I'm going to work half the number of hours this week um, or ongoing to make sure I'm at home I just haven't seen that. Does that pressure come from societal expectation or does it come from a biological instinct? No I think it definitely comes from what you feel your kids need if you're going to have a child you're going to do what you have to do to make the best go of being a parent and so if you're just not present your conscience kicks in and you feel like you're not doing them justice so it, that is also a balance you know, what is it to that parent that um, is acceptable you get some parents who are so good at being there for dinner every day putting the kids to bed bathing them all the things but there are some industries that just don't give you the leeway to do that it depends what sort of um childcare and help you you've got outside of the mum and dad role it, it does seem like perhaps some of the reasons why women choose non-stem careers is because maybe there is more of a understanding of what to have it all a lot of women want to have a family why should it be one or the other I'd like to think that we can achieve both. Yeah, I mean, it really, it makes me think about the women who really push themselves hard because it sounds very competitive out there. No, I think the message we need to give women is no matter what job you're going to do in STEM, if you want to have that family and be in that job, you can do it. But there will be sacrifices you may need to make. And I think every woman needs to be aware of that. The sacrifice may be, you know, you're not going to be at home every day to put your kids to bed. The sacrifice may be you're not going to be able to go for that promotion. Or it may be that you're going to go for a slightly lower pay grade and work slightly less hours in order to, to be there. But what are your priorities from the outset? If you're clear from the outset what you're trying to achieve in life, then of course um, it makes it easier later down the line and it might actually help you to determine what area of STEM you want to go into because some are going to be more kid-friendly, some are going to be more, you know, friendly towards uh, or, or more um, compatible with having, you know, really good work-life balance or travel or whatever it might be. Like Getting as much information about the industry uh, before you head into it is so important. No one talked to me about that when I was thinking about going into veterinary or... Mm, yeah. um, you know, thinking about doing investment banking and even when you're actually in the job sometimes, um, when you've already done all that hard work, you go, wow, no one mentioned that this was going to be like all these late nights and on call. And that's when talking to people who are in the job, that's really, really important. That's reality. I also think that students are just studying and studying and studying with the short term goal of achieving yeah. grades and percentages and being on certain league tables, but they don't have that greater sense of why they're studying. Um, and so maybe that's also something that needs to change is 
to, to really uh, highlight the importance of why we're studying mm. at school. I agree. The application process at university is so competitive. The grades you're getting, your predicted grades, all of those things, there's so much weight on them. What I noticed when it came to um, applying for veterinary was you had a whole bunch of students who were just all A's and everything. We all had the same academic CV. What was really important mm. was, you know, when you put in your personal statement about, I don't know, traveling around the Far East or, you know, going and um, plonking yourself in the middle of nowhere and doing some work experience that was completely different to what anyone else has done. Something that makes it interesting and, and then actually meeting someone at that interview process and understanding what their personality is like and whether or not that's well suited to the job that they're aiming for, um, I think should be far more important. Personality is a massive part of whether or not we're going to be able to sustain these careers. I studied with some people at vet school where they got halfway through the course and realised, you know what, I am not suited to this job. Getting um, exposure to people who are actually in those jobs and getting a chance to sit down, you know, when you're 17, 18 years old, if I had sat down with the vet and said, okay, look, I'm thinking of being becoming a vet. I don't know if I'm suited to it. Tell me a little bit about what sort of personality traits make a good vet, do you think? Or, you know, what, what do you think is a real asset that you need to have in order to do well in this job? Or what sort of lifestyle do you lead? That sort of thing. I would have loved to have known a bit more about that. How important has it or would it have been to have got support? I just think support in general, for me, it wouldn't actually have been a huge part of whether or not it was from women because at the time I didn't feel like I was going into any industry that was particularly male focused. Um, I didn't feel like I was outnumbered in any way or that I was doing something groundbreaking by being a woman going into the industry I was going into. I think what would have been helpful is just having the support of people who really knew me to say, yeah, we believe in you. We know you're doing the right thing. That would have been helpful. Having people maybe who had done it the less conventional way. And yeah, if that was as a woman, I guess that would have been um, more touching in a way to say look I was in your position I didn't do it the way everyone else did it either and I still got there and I'm happy I did it that way and I don't have any regrets you know I think that would made me feel like I'm not on my own so someone like-minded or you know that would have been very comforting for sure so you're saying you didn't have that um no I, I mean I was lucky you know I wasn't the only one in my family who was doing something groundbreaking. I didn't have someone from the outside looking in and realising that I was doing a slightly unusual path. I didn't have someone making me aware of that. I worked that out for myself, like I said, when I was part of the way through my first degree. But maybe there are people out there who've been lucky enough to have, you know, a parent, for example, saying, are you sure you want to do uh, maths or law? Or are you sure you don't want to just plug away and try for the veterinary from the outset and just go for it? Uh, I wonder what would have happened if I'd had that. Would I have done veterinary from the beginning? and actually got in I don't know but maybe the fact that I got there my own way in my own sweet time actually in a way it's sweeter <laughs> it, it tastes sweeter <laughs> because um, it just all came it came from me so I knew it was from the heart and in STEM you don't necessarily need a tribe of women behind you you just need people who know you and support you is that something that is of importance I think in the industry I'm in having a woman talk to me about being in STEM now as a as a working individual who's trying to balance um, being a working mum that for me would be amazing that's what I find really gives me the kind of like 
okay, look, I can do this. There are other women doing this. When I was back then um, as an applicant, you know, completely blank canvas, and I just didn't feel the gender gap. Uh, I, I didn't, I wasn't aware of it. But I can imagine there are other areas of STEM that would have a lot more of a divide. There is a lack of female role models. We always need someone to motivate and whether it's the role model of a woman in science or I remember watching a woman who was CEO of some big corporate company and she was talking about um, you know how she got to where she is and how hard she's had to work and then she just put in there at the end about how you know she has to try and be a mom as well and gosh it brought tears to my eyes this woman was in an industry that's completely unrelated to mine but she was saying things I could relate to about how you've had to make sacrifices to get to where you are but that she's doing it and she's actually good at what she does I needed to hear that I really needed to hear that we all have days where it's we feel like it's all really hard so I would say there's always a place to have women encouraging other women and saying you can do this it's for those down days it's for the times when everything is just an uphill struggle you need to have someone who's been there done that and said I got through it so keep going. It may not have necessarily been from the stance of you're a woman and you can um, do this better than a man, but it would be I'm a woman and I've got all these other responsibilities in my life and yeah, I can still be good at my job. Why do you think women don't speak out? Maybe, you know, <laughs> women don't want to seem like they're not coping. <laughs> you know, no one wants to go, yeah, you know, I'm, I didn't do this all that well or you know I, I I felt like I was struggling that's really hard to to admit to but it just takes one person saying that and then a whole crowd of people go oh thank god you said that I felt exactly the same I'm so grateful for the people who do speak out and, and maybe um, we need to encourage each other to do that more because it, it shouldn't be a weakness I think it takes a lot more strength to admit those things but maybe we try and seem like we're always coping and that's why we don't speak out there is a certain level of competitiveness amongst women like across stem and non-stem that prevents us from really being there for each other yeah I think it's always going to be there it's a shame if it's something you have to deal with day to day because I personally if I'm in that situation I tend to try and move away from those sort of attitudes it's just not healthy I come from a family of really supportive women we're there for each other we boost each other we you know we support each other so I if I'm in a situation where someone can't be happy for me or you know I wouldn't want to be in a position where I felt resentful towards someone else um for the choices they've made um I don't think that's good for anybody usually it comes from when people aren't happy with the choices that they've made um you know, it's a shame if that happens. But if you find yourself in that situation, I'd say, you know, try and surround yourself by more supportive people, people who are happy for you. Um, and they're usually happy in themselves if they can be happy for other people. But of course, you know, there are some people who are fighting for roles that are few and far between and they and it's a really competitive environment. I'm imagining that your job must be so much pressure. I mean, you're dealing with health, life and death. So how do you get away from it all? And what's the balance of your work life and the other balls that you're juggling? It's so important. If you have a job that's emotionally one of my 
number one priorities to make sure I have something away from that that helps me restore emotional balance. That requires you really like looking deep inside yourself and saying, okay, what makes me happy? Whatever it might be, you must keep those things for yourself to help you recharge and channel a lot of those emotions. And for me, um, it's actually being away from work, being social, uh, socializing with people that know nothing about veterinary. <laughs> that really helps me to put things into perspective. Do you think managing emotions is a female-centric thing? Mm-hmm. Or is this just something we need to do as a human? Um, I, th- I think women are maybe that bit better at doing that. Yes and no. You know, if you work in a predominantly female environment, sometimes it can have the opposite effect. I can feel like sometimes, you know, the emotions are running too high and it can be quite refreshing when I go and put myself in a situation when there are more guys around and things sometimes just feel a bit simpler. <laughs> and, you know, the fact that they're not tuning in with their emotions quite so much actually helps me to just get on with my job better. So there's positives and negatives. It was actually a relief because my emotions were just so all over the place. And being in engineering just allowed me to take a break from, from that. The job I do, whether you're a guy or a girl, is emotionally, like I said, really quite intense. But maybe I've seen mm. that the guys are better at getting on with it and taking things quite so personally sometimes or, you know, just they can be quite matter of fact about it. And maybe with women being, yes, more in tune with emotions, they can take things with a heavy heart sometimes. And that's personality as well. But when you're talking about working in a team, um, I have found that working in predominantly female environments a little bit harder because it seems to be more politics. Speaking from an, a stance where, you know, the guys and the girls are seen as equal within the industry. Whereas, of course, if you go and put yourself in a scenario where you're predominantly working with men and maybe those men are given uh, more status in their jobs and so on, then I think the whole dynamic shit. Maybe women then are forced to kind of downplay their emotions in order to not come across as, you know, these emotional women who are not being professional and that sort of thing. In my job, you have to be in touch with your emotions. That's part of, I think, what can make quite a good vet. Um, If you were cold all the time and didn't show any emotion at all, I don't think people would be able to relate to you and that would make it difficult to for people to trust you with their loved ones, with their pets and so on. What advice would you have for anyone considering a career in STEM? I would say if you're somebody who wants to work hard and is happy to challenge themselves, this is one great way to do it. Don't be put off by whether or not there are more men in the industry or not. Things can change. Did anyone think 20 years later there'll be more women in veterinary science than men? Stick to your goals. Go into an industry that you feel, you're, regardless of you're one of few females or, or not, You know, go for what you feel you can do justice to. And it sounds like in order to be able to do that you have to really know yourself for sure I think if I'd had a better idea of who I was I might have done very first I didn't really think so much about you know my personality and how that might be suited to certain jobs I was like we were saying before, I was looking more at my grades. But I'd say definitely put more focus on, you know, what kind of person am I? What kind of job am I looking for? What kind of life do I want? It's almost like the questions that need to be asked of oneself are really not academically focused. I mean, I feel like I learn more about myself by traveling and by being in uncomfortable situations that had nothing to do with school. Oh, totally. This is why, like now with my son, I'm really paying close attention to what kind of a little boy he is and and how certain personality traits that I will see in him that are consistent you know because I hope when he reaches the age of 10 or 16 or you know when he 
have to start making certain choices. I can say, well, you know what? You've always been the kind of boy who's done this or loved that. Paying attention to those things because I didn't really have that sort of advice. And that might have been helpful as well to have someone who knew you before you knew you to say, yeah, you actually, yeah, you've always loved those things. So what are your next goals? What I've learned about myself since starting this job, it takes a lot out of me emotionally. And I realise that because it is so intense to stay in this industry for a long time, I would uh, need to sort of step back and do less. I felt like if I was going to keep the momentum of where I was before, I would probably end up only being in this industry for a short period of time. My goal is to try and keep a good balance um, with this career and to be happy doing what I'm doing and as long as I feel that I'm good at what I'm doing and I'm happy um I will continue to maybe happy in sort of 10 years time to to step back uh, more because this is the kind of job I'm realizing about myself like I want to really do it well and if I can't do that I'd rather think about doing um other things so I have started to give some uh, time to think about whether or not in you know five ten years time I might try and do other things within veterinary that aren't just being in general practice for example if it's research or teaching or and sort of get a different era to to my career and that's quite exciting I think it might be that I learn even more about myself as I go on I mean that's such an inspiring way to look at life because I think as STEM women we can often set the bar of expectation too high and then we could possibly end up beating ourselves up for not reaching our unrealistic goals so your approach to maintaining balance just sounds like a really admirable one thank you Thank you so much for being so honest and uh, really kind of giving me an insight into how you're being an incredible woman in STEM and juggling all these different aspects of being a woman. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm hoping that, you know, in what I've discussed today, that there are women out there who, if they've gone through anything like what I've gone through, um, or they're going through it now, can see that, you know, when you're on the other side, there are so many rewards to sticking at what you're doing and persevering. Mm. Um, and it can lead to immense happiness when you can just be true to yourself and try and make good decisions that lead to your own happiness you've got to remember this is the job that you're doing no one else is doing it i see you as a woman that has really managed to strike a very healthy balance that's not to say that you haven't experienced challenges or you haven't gone through periods of self-doubt and questioning what you're doing but the upshot of all of that is someone who is managing to explore many areas of being a woman and the the driving force behind you achieving that is always listening to your gut um always following kind of your heart and your calling and not being swayed by what other people think and that yeah. I think is the biggest message from having spoken to you I'm utterly inspired and uh, <laughs> yeah it's just been such a privilege um, so thank you so much for taking part that's all from our STEM guest this week and you know what after speaking with her I feel motivated to clarify what my goals are from what was said it seems to me that if we get clear about what it is that we want then opportunities will start to present themselves. Wasn't it Seneca, the philosopher, that said, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity? I think the biggest take-home message I got is to never stop asking ourselves, what is it that I want? Which can be a forgotten question when we're trying to balance the many distractions of daily living. 
Anyway, it's something to sit quietly with. Thanks for listening to this week's silence. Catch you next week. Thank you.